it's kind of hard to tell. Why don't we open your present? Now, he was a builder. Don't forget I told you that. And the only present he had that he could give, the boy had been out on his job site a couple times and liked to play with the hammer. So what his dad did is he had kind of wrapped it in a brown paper bag they had, brought it in, opened it up, and he gave him his hammer. That's all he had. Hello, and welcome to the What We Learn podcast. Robert Brault once said, enjoy the little things for one day, you may look back and realize that they were the big things. Today we're talking with my grandpa John about what it was like to grow up in a post-World War II Pacific Northwest. Without any more delay, let's jump right in. If I can tie things and remember to do this, mm-hmm. if I can remember to tie something to the previous one a little bit, yeah, then people will say, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there is a, there's definitely a story that you didn't touch on last time that was a big, big part of my life, obviously. And that was when you were five years old, if I remember correctly, and you got a ride from somebody. Yes, I thought about that story after yeah. I left. Yeah. Yeah, we're going. Oh, so. we're live, huh? Yeah. We've been live. Okay. Well, um, we'll tell that story in a second. I, I, well, let's start with this story. Um, I was about five years old, and we lived in kind of a strange place, uh, 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 in location in the town I lived in, uh, is Walla Walla. And uh, we had a, lived out, I can't remember the street it was on, but it was, you could lock up and see the Washington State Prison up on the, on the hill up there. Um, see, quite a large complex. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of little towers, and and as a little kid, you know, that's really kind of an interesting place. Well, I was able to go across the street, which was closer to the prison, and uh, but actually quite still quite a ways away. And there was a hill over there, a little kind of a little um, hill that went up, and it was pretty steep, and, and one part of it had kind of caved off, and they had dug there, taking dirt away from there. Well, the dirt would slide down there, and, and I would go over there and take my trucks over there and toys and like that and go over there and haul dirt and dump dirt and <laughs> anything any kids said it do. And I loved to do that. And I would sing all the way over. Mom would say, I'd sing over the way over, and then I'd sing over there. She'd look out, and she could hear me across over there. And then she'd holler when it was time to eat. And I could hear her, and I'd come back. So how far how far a distance from the house was it? I would say it was probably about um, um, maybe two city blocks, normal city blocks, um, maybe a little bit further. And uh, but I had to walk a little further because the road I walked on. You had to go down, and then you shift and go across. And yeah. It was straight over to there. But it was an open field all the way over there, always 
and it was actually a little higher over there, so I could see the house well, and Mom could see me well uh, from over there. Now, uh, people would say that didn't live in Walla Walla, they would say, how can you want to live there with all those prisoners around? They say, and we tell them, well, it's one of the safest places to live. <laughs> when they escape, they want to get out of there, and they don't want to cause any trouble on the way. <laughs> they just want to get as far away. And I think there was only one time that I knew about that anybody stayed in town. But he was finally found in somebody's um, basement that could be entered from the outside, had just these little flip doors, and it went down there. And I think he became scared, and he never apparently left there. In other words, he, I think he became scared that he had even went out. But what do you do? Yeah. You try to just show up, you know, <laughs> you didn't want to do that. So he did, I think that's where he was. That's one of the guards um, told my stepdad at the time that, that, and I heard the story as my mother was being told the story. But anyway, that was on that little area that we had, a little acreage there, it wasn't very many. Uh, we grew strawberries, and people would buy strawberries from us there. We were uh, living in a time, uh, this would have been uh, late, um, 40s, and we were living in a time uh, about 48 maybe, and um, we were living in a time when money was you know, not real plentiful, and jobs were hard to get as it was, and uh, there was work, but you just it was just get by, and that's the way it was for us. So we raised chickens and sold them. We raised. Um, the strawberries and sold them, and that did help things. Well, going back and forth, I would watch the guy that would come over and fly over the field next door and spray and do those things. Of course, nowadays we realize how how that's not <laughs> the best thing to be watching, and, but I was always back a long ways. But the guy had seen me. It was kind of like um, the... Um, uh, it was kind of like one of these bubble helicopters and um, and it had spray on it. And so it was just like a big bubble up front. And, and it was kind of neat to watch. And as a little kid, I'd watch that. And it was so neat to see that guy. He'd go up there and right up to these trees and then he'd back up and go the other direction. And, and it was really something to see uh, that take place. What I did not know, the pilot was watching this little tiny little boy which all the time through grade school for me and even through high school, I was um, the smallest kid in school, uh, basically. And there was one other John that his name was John Lafour. He lived in uh, Mountain Freewater. A very nice young man, and uh, we were both about the same height. So we got some of the same trouble um, from people. But... He kind of was attracted to that situation. One day, I don't know what he was doing there because he didn't have his spray stuff on, but he landed the helicopter in the field right next to our house. And I was attracted by that. I kind of looked, but from a distance, because he got out and then he started heading for the house. 
And then he seen me and he yelled and he says, is your mother home? And I said, yes. And she, he went in. I kind of followed at a distance. I was a shy little boy and um, um, I followed at a distance and he went up and asked my mother, is it okay if I take him for a helicopter ride? And of course, I was uh, thinking in my little mind, oh boy, is it okay with me? <laughs> but it was scary. I, it was okay. I thought it would be fun, but also I was kind of scared about it, especially when he put me in, and there were no doors for that side of those. And so, But he put me in, got me all strapped in, and then I started that thing up, and and it was just sitting over there idling, and and he, you know, watching it and listening to the props and everything. He had some ear uh, headset that it went on. He could talk to me through it, and it was interesting. They wouldn't fit me very well as a kid, but they worked. And then it was interesting, right across the field, and he'd come up to the trees and then back up. He did several little things, you know, real gently. He was a really kind man. And, you know, I never will forget that. That house had several things that attracted me. Of course, I loved the strawberries. <laughs> yeah. And I had to be warned not to go out <laughs> into warned very well as sometimes maybe warmed a little bit. <laughs> to uh, stay uh, away from them because they were just for selling. Some people would come and pick their own, and then we'd pick, uh, my mother would pick strawberries uh, for them, and sometimes my brother, uh, next brother up would. They were quite a bit older, and the oldest brother was gone. And <clears throat> he... Uh, he was had went into the Navy, I believe. It was close to that period of time. And uh, anyway, it eventually was on the first aircraft carrier that went to Korea. Anyway, um, the uh, house had a lot of interesting things. I did not like it when they would kill a chicken. Um, yeah, I didn't like that at all. It, uh, uh, watching a chicken run around with no head on the ground. Uh, it's amazing how long they could stay on their feet. But uh, I've I seen that, and I've seen those kind of things. And that, those things had big, deep impressions on me uh, in my life. But one of the biggest impressions I had there at that home was one that was a real one that touched my heart in a deep way. There was a boy next door, and I never got too acquainted with him. They kept him pretty well at home, and and I was out around uh, the place. But he would be out and that kind of thing. Um, they had I went over one time when they were pe- feeding their pigs. They had pigs over there, and oh boy, they say slopping the pigs. They meant exactly that. <laughs> They had a trough out there, and they would dunk all kinds of junk in there, and they just would, oh, boy, you talk about eating like a pig. I, now I understood that fully. <laughs> it was terrible. But um, the dad was a, a builder, and he hadn't had work for a long time. 
And there weren't a lot of things to assist people as much as there is today. And uh, I know they were struggling. Uh, We helped them with food some, gave them some of the things that we had canned from our garden. We had a big garden there. And the... um, those kind of things. They didn't have a garden. They had a few things, but not very much. I don't think she knew how to put up things and that kind of thing. Well, it came to Christmas, and we didn't have a lot. And, But I had a truck, a little truck that I'd take over to the hill. It was one of my favorite things. I had a shovel, and I'd put dirt in it and, of course, drive the big zooming truck from spot to spot, and then dump it. And it would make mountains and hills. It was kind of getting run down. It was pretty beat up. I got it. It was used anyway. And I really kind of wish for a better one and because of it, but uh, came Christmas time. And at least we had a really nice tree. It was nice, and we had a lot of decoration from different members of the family gave us all their extra stuff and we had a nicely decorated tree and there was a couple gifts under it one for my brother and and one for myself and um, I had no idea what was in that big package and I don't know that he knew either and we didn't want to get into it and and before the time and we didn't. So the day came and that kind of thing. But then we knew the neighbors next door, they couldn't have a tree. Uh, they wanted to do something. They t- were able to get a tree. It wasn't a regular Christmas tree. It was just a, what it was, is a big branch. And uh, they had tried to make something for the little boy. And we were all sitting, sitting around. We had opened our presents at Christmas Eve, which kind of was a habit and of Christmas Eve. And we were thinking about the little boy and talking about them. They don't have anything. As uh, they were talking it over, um, my stepdad and, and uh, my mother and my brother, some, he was older, and when they were talking it over, they said, why don't we just take the tree over to their house? That would really be exciting for them. Well, Jimmy said, well, there won't be any presents for the little boy. And Jimmy says, that was um, my second brother up, my first, I mean, first brother above me. And uh, oldest one was Paul. Anyway, he said, you know, I'm going to give him, and I can't remember what he got. And um, I cannot remember what he got, but I do remember what I got. And I said, you know, I want to give him a truck. And Mom wasn't real thinking that. She thought that was okay for Jimmy, but she wasn't thinking that was so neat and and she was thinking about my old truck. And I said, no, I don't think I should give him my old truck. I think I need to give him my new truck. And um, he was a little younger than I was. And so she didn't know what to do about that. But anyway, we wrapped it all back up. 
both those presidents up. And we went over, we did not say anything because we could have been well wrong that there was lots of presidents. And so we went over to see first and they were so tickled about the tree. But then they found out it was our tree. They weren't sure they wanted to accept it, but they said it would be the greatest thing you could do for us if you'd take this tree right now. We'll get this stuff back after Christmas. And they said, okay, we'll do that. So anyway, we spent a little time with them, and uh, um, the dad says, why don't we open your present to the little boy? It's kind of hard to tell. Why don't we open your present? Now, he was a builder. Don't forget I told you that. And the only present he had that he could give the boy had been out on his job site a couple of times and liked to play with the hammer. So what his dad did is he had kind of wrapped it in a brown paper bag they had, brought it in, opened it up, and he gave him his hammer. That's all he had. Oh, the little boy was so excited. And we looked at each other, Jimmy and I, and looked at Mom, and we all said, yeah. So we went over to the house and got our presents, and we were more than ready to give those. So we took them over, and we told them, I said, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. And we said, yes, these are presents we have for the little boy. And... Uh, this was already planned before we came over. And so um, um, we gave him the presents. Of course, he opened them up. He was ecstatic. And it was a great thing. For some reason, I keep thinking that what Jimmy got is something he really wanted, and it was a bunch of a certain kind of candy. And uh, in other words, we both gave away the thing we wanted the most. And, you know, that always stuck with me because, uh, you know, we grow up and we become actually more selfish many times and not realizing the greatness of those kind of things. Anyway, I can't remember, but anyway, before that long, we... Had uh, because of work and everything, we had an opportunity for a job um, and a couple of jobs that were fairly decent, but they were in California, so we moved to California. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, before we get to California, though, I uh, and and Jeffrey can remind me about California. California. <laughs> uh, uh, but. Before we get to California, remember uh, last week um, I told you that there was uh, a young man down the street, and it wasn't his fault, but his dad was a dentist, and they were pretty, you know, they weren't the richest people in the world, but they were well off, and he could get any, he got anything he would desire. Yeah. And because of that, he also got something that he probably didn't desire because a lot of kids call him names at school. He was a little on the chunky side. Matter of fact, a little is maybe a 
under-exaggeration for sure. <laughs> but anyway, it uh, came uh, winter, and we were all going over, and he was always wanting to ride on our sleds, but we would keep looking at him and looking at his size, and we thinking, I don't know if our sleds could take it. So, you know, what his dad did is he bought him uh, real nice ice sleds like ours. We had nice ice sleds. Now, those that don't know what an ice sled is, but they have the metal runners going mm -hmm. down, and they uh, really go really well on ice. They're real fast. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> we went over to what they call Bolesky uh, Hill, or it was actually not Bolesky Hill, but Bolesky Stadium there in Walla Walla, uh, there was a big uh, baseball stadium there. They played football there, too. Um, matter of fact, later years, I actually uh, was one of the vendors sometimes in there selling popcorn and candy, and you, you learn to sing out that song as you go along and, and then sell that, make some extra money. But behind it and over a little ways was a hill, and actually on top of the hill was a golf course for the area. And there was a road that went up that hill. And if you got on the road and nobody was on that road at certain times, then you could, boy, you talk about ice sled was really fast. I mean, it would go down that hill and it would go a long ways after you were down the bottom. Well, we would pack the snow on the steeper hill, which was this long side of the road. And... Uh, we would pack the snow down well, and our ice sleds went well on it. Matter of fact, we had an area alongside of the nice grass mowed area that a couple big humps had been dug in and placed there during the summer so that during the winter they would turn out to be really nice jumps. Well, we would do that, and it was a lot of fun. Um, Seen a few toboggans go over it. Uh, one got busted going. <laughs> uh, going over it, went over it, but when it lit, it lit partially on the next jump. And that didn't help. One guy in front and uh, a heavier guy in the back and the others in between, anyway, they were lighter, but anyway, it cracked it. It didn't break it all the way, but it did crack it. Nice, nice toboggan. Anyway, we were up there doing these jumps down there, and this boy, he wanted, wanted, wanted to do that so bad, and his dad bought him a brand new, really nice ice sled. Now, ice sleds negotiate real well. You can push one side or the other, and they'll turn a little bit for you. They do a pretty good job. And instead of dragging a foot or a hand, and sure enough, he decided he was going to do it. We told him, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You're going to wreck your sled. Ah, this is a good sled. It won't happen. It won't happen. I, I'm going to do just fine. You guys never want me to do this. So everybody just decided it's his choice. So he went. He did a very good job going down the hill. with his. He had enough weight that... He really gained speed. As he gained that speed, 
And then all of a sudden, he found himself flying through the air off the jump. The flying through the air, the speed down was beautiful. (laughs) The landing. All we heard was, ow! The rails collapsed inward. His hands were on the rails. And they went under the sled. And it came down on his hands. And he'd come plowing into the next little area, of course, tore it up pretty bad. A lot of the kids really laughed and laughed. I started to laugh a little just because it was funny what happened, but at the same time, I began to feel sad because I felt sorry for the boy. You know, it was one of those life-learning experiences Yeah, he asked for it. How many things have I asked for? And walked into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eyes wide open. (laughs) We all do that. We all have those things we do, and we know it's going to get us into trouble. Yeah. And, you you know, I felt so sorry for him, and actually one of my cousins, Jerry, was there, and uh, we were having a great day that way, that day, Sheree, I think, uh, matter of fact, I think the whole family, as far as Sheree and Jerry and Nancy, were all there, three cousins. And uh, uh, we had a great day, but that wasn't a great day. Now, from that great, that park, and of course, I don't know what all happened with the boy, how bad he was injured, but um, just what we didn't know, his dad was sitting out in the parking lot, um, watching and probably, you know, he spent quite a money on this, on this lead. It was a very nice one. I, it was, wasn't a cheap one. And, um, his dad, of course, came running just as soon as it all happened. Those kids came running down there too. I never did find out how bad he was hurt. His dad took the sled and went. But I think it also helped some of the children, uh, some of his kids, to be a little more sympathetic, and which is important, I think, to see. And we um, another story though from that uh, sledding hill. Um, we were walking home one day, and I believe it was my—I'm not sure which one it was. It was uh, Jerry or, or my cousin Jerry or my cousin Bill. I can't remember, but it's keep—I keep thinking it was uh, my cousin Bill. Anyway, we were walking home, and I was carrying my sled uh, or dragging my sled behind me, and uh, we had went over there to a sliding. And sledding, and and we walked through the little park next door, and it had a little creek ran through, and it was frozen over a little small creek. And I looked down, and I said, "Hey, look down there." And Jerry and Bill said, "I'm pretty sure it was Bill." Said, uh, "What is that down there sticking up out of the creek?" I said, "Well, it's sure not a branch from a tree." I think that's a butt of a rifle. And uh, 
He says, oh, I think you're right. Let's go down and check. I said, well, we want to be careful with it. What is a rifle sticking in his creek for? Except maybe bad reasons. Yeah. So we were very careful getting it out when we knew where people might have touched it. And we were very careful getting it out. And we said, how are we going to take this home? People see two little kids <laughs> carrying this shotgun, we've discovered, a pump shotgun, and carrying this down the road amongst all these houses in the middle of the winter. They're uh, going to start asking questions. Yeah, they're going to wonder what's going on. Matter of fact, my mom's going to get calls, and as they know, and we're going to be walking right through my neighborhood. So we decided, ah, I know what we'll do. We'd take our coats off, and it was a cold day. And we laid the the rifle on top of the sled, and the Bill was behind, I believe it was, Bill, and uh, whoever it was was behind, and I was in the front, and we just walked over, and we threw our coats over it and got it home. And we ended up, we didn't know what to do with it, and uh, my mom and stepdad got home, and they said, well, we need to turn it into the police. We called the police. And and they said, yep, just bring it down. And so we'd been very careful handling it and told them. And, and uh, they said, by the way, you sign these papers here. And we're going to do some investigation of the thing. If there's any kind of crimes that went on, like it's maybe been stolen or somebody got scared and put it there or or did something bad with it, whatever. But they said, we don't think there has been, but in I can't think it was 30 days or 60 days that it was advertised in the paper, and it was uh, after two weeks it came out in the paper after they sent it to a lab, and they didn't find anything. Nobody claimed it. They had to come in and describe the gun. They didn't know what kind it was or anything. They told us not to tell anybody. And we didn't. And so they called us up and said, the gun's yours. <laughs> so uh, and we, we got it home. And uh, um, uh, But I'm glad it was really that we never found anything bad about it. But it came from somewhere. And it's one of those probably sad stories if we knew the rest of the story. And it comes to that. But, you know, uh, I don't want to leave you with... Uh, with the idea that we left left it uh, left that uh, cold country for California because I was a lot older there, <laughs> <laughs> but then we went to California when I was we go back to from leaving where we were raising strawberries and those kind of things and we went to California, and down there you went to first grade I think it was four, um, and the first grade there was actually two grades under first which would be in our area, well, like Washington or in uh, Idaho. Uh, first grade was totally different down there, and we lived in one of the suburbs of uh, Los Angeles. Lived in several of them at times, different areas we moved to. And, um, and so I was put in school down there, but I don't know what these kids didn't know, but anyway, I got 
uh, advanced two grades right off the bat. <laughs> they put me in the first one. Oh, in the first grade, it was fabulous. What they did is told you stories all day. Then they uh, and then they'd have you lay down on mats, and then you would eat lunch, and then you get and you they told you a few more stories, and you got to go home. <laughs> it was a tough day, and you got an A if you just went through the class. And then they moved me to the next class, and that was a big improvement. They did exactly the same thing, but they added something. Oh, we got to build it up. They had these little saws, and they'd, I don't know why they gave us saws. And today, I don't know that they do that, but they actually gave us the little handsaw. And we had little hammers and screwdrivers and all this, and they'd had this different stuff, and we'd work on it and put it together. Now, I wasn't as fortunate as some kids. Uh, some kids had a little more money, and they could buy these lunch buckets. They were very tiny lunch buckets. They were very small, and they were plastic, made of some kind of plastic, which was something different for our day. And you would open up uh, the top, and this was the type that would have a little thermos in it. Now, the thermos was really tiny. I don't know that it had a half a cup of anything in it. <laughs> but it was really tiny. And we would go outside being in California in school year, it didn't make any difference, and we went outside and we'd eat our lunches. Well, I just came with a paper bag with my lunch. And then I had to fold up the paper bag and bring it home to put my lunch in it tomorrow. And um, anyway, these kids would have these things, and they'd have these little tiny sandwiches. I'd have these nice big sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, it's amazing. They like the lunch bill, because it gave them a little bit of, I don't know, prestige. But they really liked the idea of trading, wanting to trade me for my sandwich. <laughs> and I said, no, I'll just stick with it. Well, one day we had a great thing happen for us. It was wonderful. They were going to have animals for us to see and they were going to bring in the animals for us to see. They were going to have a cow and a, and a bull and a uh, calf. I said, that's going to be fun to see. I had grown up around those things. I had seen the real things and that kind of thing. But they were bringing them in in a truck. Well, the truck showed up. They had the sides closed. And there was a motor running. It would kick on every once in a while on the side of the truck. And I said, hmm, I don't know what that is. <laughs> what I found out it was refrigeration. <laughs> they had a full-size cow and a full-size little calf. And they were made out of butter. Completely made out of butter. They didn't have the bowl like they had been reported they did. They had a very nice, beautiful-looking horse on the other side, totally carved out of butter. So like full-sized or? Yes. Wow. Really the full size. Oh, and since this was a big dairy uh, place that made 
uh, mel- you know, made cream and cheese and all that kind of stuff. They decided, since these were all made of butter, that we should all get a thing of butter to take home with us. That would remind us of this, these butter things. All these kids went crazy. They had never seen these. And as a little kid, I couldn't hardly cope with that. I didn't realize how much of an issue that was until I was a teenager and in California again. We didn't stay there very long. And when I came back, and two of my cousins living in the area, I said, you guys, we went to all kinds of places. We went to uh, Disneyland. We went to all kinds of places. Uh, The one mother, she worked at... um, Make America Card, and she get all these free tickets to Disneyland. So we, you could go to anything there for nothing. So we did that. We did all these things. Went to the zoo there. We went all this stuff. Oh, it was great. It was interesting. It was fun. Finally, I got a little tired of it. I might have grown up in a little town, but my favorite thing was to get out in the country. I was kind of a loner. I liked to go out and sit and watch things. As you know, I watched, talked about that last time about the watching the bird and some of the things I learned. I learned a lot of things from the animals. But so I asked my cousins, I said, by the way, I'd sure like to go see some cows and stuff. And they said, well, we're going to the zoo again tomorrow. I, I said, no, 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 that's not what I mean like where they have cows and horses out on the pasture. You mean the zoo? (laughs) I said, no, no, no. They're big green fields, and they're out there eating in the field. They got real silent. And they said, well, the only thing I know that might have something like that, it's way out there. I'm not, and they named a couple of places. And I thought, well, we've never been there. I said, you've never seen a cow out eating grass in the field or a horse on TV <laughs> at the movies? I said, oh boy. I didn't realize inexperience is inexperience. How many things have I not experienced? And that was one thing that helped me, uh, even as a teenager, to realize I want to experience more. I don't want to experience death. There's things I don't want to experience. I don't want to experience uh, a cold, the flu, going to the hospital, I really, maybe to visit somebody and tell them I'm sorry they're in the hospital. But I'm not sorry if they're getting better and coming out. But there are things I want to experience and understand. And um, anyway, coming back from that short off leg to California, um, because there's a lot down there. 
the killing of a snake and how accurate one mother scared to death can be with a knife when she throws it. And another few seconds and her child would have been bitten by a rattler. I know you want to know that story, so i got to tell it. Uh, we lived in a trailer park. I was still small then. And uh, we hadn't left yet. And um, I was small. And it was noisy there across the street, across the street of a highway, four lanes. Actually, it was a four or six there. But anyway, a lot, big truck, a lot of trucks going by. Four or five railroad tracks over there, and the railroad cars were going up and down all the time. Well, I came out of the trailer one day, and I seen the kids over standing looking, looking, and uh, I came over to look to see what they were looking at on the ground. It was a pile of rocks, and they were strung out pretty long. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And uh, I came over, and I said, what are you looking at? I said, he said, oh, there's a rattlesnake under here. I said, a live rattlesnake? Oh, no, 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 it's dead. It's dead. The lady in that trailer over there killed it. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Anyway, uh, I wasn't very old yet, and so I didn't think it real strong. But then when um, Mom got home, she had talked to the lady, which was only two trailers over from her, but she had talked with her that evening and the lady told her what happened and and she believed in God she came in the front room where her child had been playing and had been fairly noisy little child crawling around on the floor making noise but all of a sudden became very quiet and kind of pleasing little sounds she said what is so intriguing to that child and finally she was able to stop doing what she was doing and she walked in and just in front of her was a rattlesnake coiled about ready to strike the little boy on the or baby i don't know if it was a boy or a girl and um it was about ready to strike if she would have moved toward it it would have struck and she knew that and she didn't dare, dare move at that direction. So she stepped back in the kitchen without even thinking. She said she never thought about it. She just walked in and, and she said, oh, Lord, what can I do? That was in her mind when she'd seen it. And she immediately just stepped back in the door without what we might say thinking, picked up this big butcher knife, and she threw it. And she caught the snake right behind the head and it pinned it to the floor. Now, I know guys that are very good at throwing knives. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the snake was to one side of the child and so it wasn't right there. Uh, like the child wasn't between her and the snake. But I even to even when I was fairly good at throwing a knife, nowadays it would be too dangerous, it's almost too dangerous for me to pick up a knife. <laughs> Everybody tells me that. <laughs> Just leave it alone, I'll take care of it. Um, 
Uh, but it was a real miracle. And I got to see the snake, and they said, but snakes can bite even when they look dead. What I learned later is that there are functions that can take place, and people have handled them, and they've actually clamped down on them, and uh, whether they were actually dead or alive, and it was just reactions or whatever, but it's still injected poison. And, and that was it. So anyway, uh, one of the parents and the man that was there came over and he told the kids to leave it alone, but he said, I will show you the snake. So he took one of the big rocks off of its head and let us see the snake. And we got to see right where she got it, which was about an inch and a half or two below his head. And it actually had pinned him to the to the floor. It was a sharp pointed um, knife. And so it was interesting. You remember those things in life. Yeah. Um, you know, it catches <laughs> you real quick. <laughs> but we finally left California. What was the original reason for moving down? It was for work? Work. Okay. That's right. And, and, uh, one of my uh, stepdad's aunts uh, had a uh, working area, and she was a waitress and knew my mom could get on one area, and she did. And <clears throat> she was pregnant down there, and I should tell you this. She was pregnant down there and had my sister down there in California. So she was born in California. I was born in Washington, in Walla Walla. And, <clears throat> but... When she was uh, uh, working in the restaurant, which was right, right outside of an airfield, you could look right out and see the private planes could land there, mm -hmm. and they could actually come into the restaurant. They could actually come into the restaurant from, there, from the airport, just walk in there and eat and then fly out, and a lot of them did. Do you remember what airport it was? No, I do not know because I was I was small that I at that time I did eat there a couple of times. Um, they made a special deal for their employees, and so we went down and ate there a couple of different times, and it was provided by the restaurant itself. Well, mom was getting bigger and bigger. Uh, she was pregnant before we went down there, I believe, looking back on it. But anyway, she was walking across the. Floor, and there was ups and down steps. There was this, a layer of, of the room was up above and a layer that was down below that made it so people could see the planes and, and watching them coming in. And there were high windows and you could watch it all. It was really kind of an interesting place to be. Well, the main, main guy over the, uh, all the waiters, very tall, very handsome, um, uh, colored gentleman and he was a gentleman of gentlemen and I could well see why he was over everything he was really and oh he could carry several trays he was very big man uh, very tall he wasn't overweight or anything like that he was uh, very uh, he reminded me of a giant <laughs> as a child but anyway he was a giant in my mom's case she was very good at carrying uh, four trays at a time. And she started across the room. And she was about ready to go down the steps. And then all of a sudden, he seen it. 
and she was going to pass out being pregnant. And she started down, and she was trying to hold these trays. The man ran across the room, and the report was, she said, it was like, uh, according to what she was told, this guy took about three strides, and he was there. He grabbed the trays, and he could grab four trays. And he grabbed four trays and caught her. Oh, wow. He set the four trays down, the people that were at a table next to them, and he set the four trays down, saved it. They came and delivered them where they were going. And um, he picked up mom and set her over where they could take care of her, and she came back out of it. She just, it was all the smells of the day. <laughs> and being pregnant, she just, it was overcoming, and she did that. Uh, so, you know, you have these little things in life that you hear about, you see, and and the graciousness of people. Uh, there were so many, we met a lot of nice people, and it wasn't that a lot of these people weren't coming out of very rough times. We're no, we weren't that far away from the war, and there was a lot of things to recover from, and people need to remember that today. Um, there's no reason in the world to be hating one another. Yeah. Um, that is, that's assumed, yes, there's people that just can't uh, cope with their own life. So they take it out on people. But um, I was thankful for the man that saved my mom. She, how hurt would she have gone at God if she fell down the steps? She's a small, was a small woman. And very uh, slight uh, woman. So, except for when she was pregnant. <laughs> and very short. I, I remember being probably twelve or between ten and twelve, and being well, much taller than her. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah. She was, and 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 your great grandma, great great, uh, my grandmother. Uh, she she. Um, she was like that too. She actually was shorter than my mother. And uh, uh, there are some fantastic things I learned from her because she was so good I mean, that uh, things that she uh, taught me and I learned. I learned to sew. I learned to patch things. I learned how to make a pattern for my sister's doll and make a dress. <laughs> I actually made it a nightgown. Uh, kids, uh, girls wore a lot of nightgowns, and actually some guys did. They're actually pretty warm. But um, I'm thankful for those life experiences. I'm sorry that uh, a lot of kids don't get a chance for those things. I'm sorry for the parents that uh, don't um, don't spend their time with the kids because sometimes they don't know what to do anyway. But you know, living there and going to that park over there, that park that had the gun in it also had swings. It had swings, it had um, a, a little uh, merry-go-round. And I would take uh, my sister Kathy over there. And I remember one time there was a girl, everybody called my girlfriend. Now, I'm, I was Johnny. Guess what her name was? 
Frankie. Now, anybody that knows the old song in that day, Frankie and Johnny were lovers. <laughs> anyway, my brother's seen that that 45, anybody know what a 45 disc record is, has a great big hole in the center of it, and it's a small record. Bigger than a DVD, but it is a record. And uh, he made sure I got that one and teased me with that. <laughs> and she was always telling me, like a mother, she'd say, Johnny, you get in and do your music lessons. And I had to play the piano and practice it, and I wanted to be out playing. Well, just so happened she was over at the park with her friend. And you know how sometimes we as kids, and I hate to say it, but adults too, try to uh, show off a little bit our power and our authority. So, Kathy, my sister, was on the, it was one of these you stood up on or sat down on. It was a flat floor, but had these bars that would come out to the edge and you'd stand alongside of them, and you could, uh, it was a, a, a first wheel, I mean, a little a wheel, a merry-go-round. And it was going around, and she, they, the two gals thought it was funny. They left Kathy on there. She was laying down, watching the ground go by, a little girl watching it go by, and they would make it go around. But they thought that was okay to begin with. Because Kathy really enjoyed it. But then they decided, let's just make it go faster and faster and faster. Well, I knew what would happen. She'd fly off. And sure enough, I kept telling them to stop. And they wouldn't. So this evil Johnny doubled up his fist and he hit his Frankie right in the nose. And, of course, she started crying, and the girl went ballistic, and they rushed off home. I don't know if she got a bloody nose or not. I don't know. But at least she stopped, and I took my sister home. Well, I was all fine and dandy. I got that all fixed up. But the phone had already rung, and my mother had already heard about what took place from her mother which I'm glad for those communications in those days. And mother looked at me. Yes, she was wrong. But it wasn't right for you to hit her. So you go an apology and give her an apology. And you need to go down there right now. Her mother's expecting you. So... I walked down there. It was about a block one way and a half a block another direction. And I think it was about two and a half miles. <laughs> at least it felt like that, especially when I got to their place and I looked up and I said, I can't go to that door. So I kept walking. And I went down and I started coming back and the mother came to the door. She says, Johnny, your mother called me. Just come to the porch. I will send Frankie out. So, actually, that did help. 
I could be helped a little long, and sometimes we need a little help. It wasn't the most pleasant help in the world, but she didn't angrily do that. Um, so she came out, apparently had not given her a bloody nose. She actually seemed pretty good. And I told her that I was very sorry I hit her. I shouldn't have hit her. But I then uh, added that other feature, but you wouldn't stop. <laughs> Which really isn't an apology. It's an excuse for why you did what you did. But anyway, it didn't ruin our friendship totally. It did cool it down a little bit. She didn't come over quite as many times to begin with. and But when she did, she um, still would remind me, you need to practice your lessons. Have you done it today? And I'd say, well, not yet. I'm planning on it. She says, well, I'm going home. You get it done. You can call. I'll come over later. So that would influence me to go ahead and do that. Well, you know, you remember the Bolesky Hill, and I said there was a golf course up on top. As I'm ending up here, I want to end up with this little thing. I picked up golf balls. Uh, my cousin and I picked up golf balls. Other people, I picked up golf balls. Off the, go off the driving range, we got, uh, I can't remember, it was uh, 10 cents a bucket, I think, which was a killing. We thought it was a killing. It was just a little bucket. Yeah, and was this... Was this after California or no, it, before yeah, going down after to California? California after okay, so this is on, so you're yeah, back. This okay. is still when Frankie was just on the scene too at the same time era. Anyway, we went over there and uh, there's more back in California too, but I'll tell you that later. And we went over there because um, I did get to watch one of the biggest planes ever built, built over there in California. Tell you where that was next time, <laughs> if I remember. Yeah. Anyway, um, I went uh, and uh, we would go up there and pick up golf balls. And we said, hey, there's a lot of golf balls. We see them out there in the field right next door in the plowed field. Nope, we don't take any golf balls. If you want them, you can have them out there. So we said, okay. So we understood which golf balls were expensive and which golf balls weren't. And so what we did is we didn't take our buckets. We took sacks. When we weren't picking up for them, we would wait and a day that they weren't open or something because we didn't want them thinking we crossed the line and came over there. And so we would just go out in the field and pick up golf balls. And we'd end up with, you know, maybe a, um, two or three gallons of golf balls in just a short little bit of time. Now, some of the golf balls had been hit and they were kind of sliced on the side, and, and we learned a very interesting thing. Take the outside skin off. There's two things that are really great in there. The rubber band goes forever that's in there. It's stretched very, very tight, and that's what makes the thing really have a kick but the inside 
was an interesting little ball in there, rubber ball. You know, they have super balls today that you throw down and they bounce up. That's what these did. They were inside the golf bar. And so us kids would get them out and kids wanted to get them from us. So we could sell those. Oh, yeah. Or sometimes we trade them for more marbles. And uh, trade for marbles uh, quite often. That was uh, not unusual. Anyway, we would do that, or sometimes we'd pick through the golf balls, and we knew different people that were golfers, and we'd go over and ask them, would you like to buy some of these balls for them? And, of course, we'd sell it to them way cheaper than what they could buy them for, and they said, absolutely. So we had regular customers for some of those, and it was really interesting because we could get make some pretty good money off that compared with going, we got more money off of the one golf over there, then we would get for a whole bucket up at the golf course. But you know, you do a lot of things when you're a kid, and it teaches you that you can use your head, think about things, and never get the idea, I just can't do that. How do you know? Have you tried? And tried again? And then go on a little bit and try again when you've learned some new skills and new ways and new thinking. And um, I look back in my life now, I see how many times not only was I protected, but given insights in how to do things safely. And why then, where did you get that stuff from? So I'm very thankful to God that he's been able to watch over me all these years. And it's okay if I don't keep going on forever. Some people, it's, it's okay, you know, for me. Um, but, you know, I look at that and I say there's many stories we can learn things from if we will. Think about your life, I do, and think about what you're going to do with it or are doing with it, does it mean anything? Or will it? Or why should I? Maybe need to answer those questions. <laughs>